Good greetings, everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Original Spell podcast. I am, I've just come out of a meditation wherein I had a breakthrough, and it feels like the time to push play and to record this episode that I have been contemplating in recent days. And this episode is, and this whole podcast is me really sharing more about myself, who I am, my experiences, and my worldview, my understanding of the world, my perceptions, my revelations, all of which ties into the art that I create as my work in this world, which are the natal star maps, which have recently been changed changed the name to natal star guides because that is what they are they are tools of power that can be used for guidance on multiple levels and what I really want to bring into my work and begin talking about in this podcast is the phenomenal world and that includes the living sky as well as the living earth. I started out in this work. I include it. It appears on the surface very differently, but I started out in this work as an herbalist. And I've come to understand in my heart and in my body that it's the same. You know, you can actually trace it all the way back to my first breath on this planet and say, I started out in this work as a human child, as a human baby, and every point along the path of my life is tying into it. But I, I'm beginning here with my work as an herbalist because this was when I really first started consciously becoming aware of my work in the world and being able to feel it and get a sense of what was coming through me and what I was to do about that and that this would be my career path. Um, Even though I see the ways everything else has also poured into it, but this was the start of my my conscious awareness of it being my career path. And um, I was living in Seattle. And so I was really immersed in this kind of world of of ecological awareness and it was it was just the the it was just I don't have words for how wonderful and enlightening and important that that understanding and and those teachings that I was receiving during those years in that place were to me to have come out of Christianity which is this there's a there's so much that I love about Christianity it's not one thing for the sake of what I'm saying right now I am bringing light to an aspect of Christianity's dark side shadow side that has been this tool of a worldview of a of a perspective of a a spiritual power that has been used to cast a spell on humanity that tells us 
that we are separate from the natural world. And I have come to understand that that is a core issue at at the center of our sickness. You know, if you look at an organism that is sick, there's there's always a linchpin. There's the core issue. There's the one thing that if you can remove that splinter out of the body, then the body can heal itself. And humanity as an organism being under the illusion that we are separate from the natural world is making us very, very, very sick. And this has been perpetuated by Christianity. And I'll get into more of that later. Um, But to go back to my story, when I was in Seattle, I had come out of, I had just come out of Christianity, very, a very devoted um, living experience of Christianity in community that is my greatest treasure. And the spirit had moved me out of that and onto something else. And the first wave of that something else was my, as a human biological organism, reconnecting with the phenomenal world. And it was so incredible and powerful to find God there and to find myself there and to experience my living body as connected to everything else, to be able to perceive the pulsing living web of life and myself within it and to find myself held there for white American Western culture to really begin to stick its toes into indigenous knowledge and to be given the gift of being able to partake of that wisdom that those founts of wisdom that bring us back into awareness of who we really are. And um, I was I was just surrounded by it. And it was so wonderful. And I very quickly made my decision that I was very drawn to medicinal plants and to power plants and to uh, nutritive wild plants, to wild crafting. My favorite thing was to wild craft nutritive plants and medicinal plants and to make medicine from them. And um, to to go into nature and to meet this being and to commune with it and to have it share its body with me. This is truly a communion. To have it share its body with me that I can then take and make medicine out of to make my body well. And I had physical ailments that I was making well with plant medicines that I had spent years and years and years per- fervently and with all faith inside the context of my very living, powerful, wonderful experience of Christianity, praying for healing for these things and not receiving healing. And it became clear to me in that place that the reason I wasn't receiving healing is because I was inside of my white walls, totally separated from nature. And that to heal our bodies which are made of earth we must connect we must reconnect with the earth and so I did this for god six years maybe 
and um, a confluence of of events. Terrence McKenna, um, the plants themselves, and being under their influence, and and also my communion with the forest in the forest. From these three places, I very clearly heard the message. Don't become an herbalist. That's not where we need you. You are, you are an artist. That's what you do best. Please do that for us on behalf of us. And, and allow yourself to be instrumental in this earth. And in the communities that are in and with the communities that are endeavoring to return humanity to the phenomenal world. Let yourself be a part of it as an artist, not an herbalist. That's not your path. And the forest told me to to stay in the city, not to go to the forest, because I had planned to go live on the live on the edge live off the grid, live in the woods, like be surrounded by trees and the plant medicines and to do, and oh my goodness, Kiva Rose Hardin was just my idol. She's this beautiful, incredible herbalist who lives in the Gia wilderness out in New Mexico. And I had gone out there and studied with her and I just wanted to be just like her. And the plants told me, no, we already have Kiva. (laughs) There's something else for you to do. And I just went, oh, okay, I'll be an artist. It's what I do best. And I, I, I and I'm going to be sharing some of these images on my Instagram. The the very so fascinating to me now. The very first thing I started drawing, I was the way that I was interested in astrology was I just and I had done this for several years. I began to get curious about astrology and I would just, you know, when I was hanging out with people, I would just ask them, you know, what's your sign? And, and that was it. And we would talk about each other's signs. And then I would just begin to feel, just get a feeling of these archetypes and the way that they shine through a human personality. And I just, I started with the artwork and it's it's still unclear to me like what exactly came first maybe maybe I can go back to my pictures and find out what exactly came first because there was sacred geometry that was right there in the beginning but I think even before sacred geometry and then and then I started drawing natal charts but I think even before sacred geometry I started drawing spider webs and it was really hard at first so hard to draw I mean I grew, I woke up, I always say, this is the quote, you can find it in various places in my work. I always say, woke up with a paintbrush in my hand. I've always been an artist. Well, in my early 20s, I received a wound, like we all do, so often when it comes to our core essence. I received a wound that said, you are no good, put your paintbrush down, and I did all the way through my third, my twenties. And I did something else. And that was when I was deeply pursuing this living relationship with God through my path with mystical Christianity. And it was wonderful, but I forgot that I was a painter. I forgot that I was an artist. And so when I picked it back up again, 
I was rusty and it was super interesting because uh, it was like riding a bike where when you, if you know they say you never forget how to ride a bike well if you really go a long time without riding a bike like a decade and you try and get back on a bike it's not like that like it takes a minute you're like whoa I kind of did forget how to ride a bike but it doesn't take too long like it doesn't take as long as it took to learn how to ride the bike it just takes a minute and that's how it was with me painting and drawing when I first started like the coordination between your eye and your hand and I would look at the spider webs and then I would try to draw it and I did that does not look like a spider web that looks like shit <laughs> and I it just took a minute for my brain it's like for my neurons to reconnect between or to reawaken between my brain and, and my eyes and my hand. But I started drawing these spider webs and I thought, um, and I guess I had started looking at astrological charts and I thought astrological charts look sort of like a spider web. And I was in Seattle, so in Seattle and especially in the autumn time in Seattle, late, late summer and into autumn in Seattle, the spider webs are just glorious. And because of the weather there, they're always laden with dew and they're completely magical. And I, and I would take walks. I was a big, I'm, I've always been a walker, but I was big time. I walked all the time when I was in Seattle and those who know me there are very aware of this, um, pastime of mine. And I would just walk and just get lost in the spider webs. And then I'd go home and try to draw them. And I couldn't my dear friend Lisa, who I lived with at the time, is now doing, creating these beautiful works of art. Now I want to connect with her about them in regards to what I'm sharing right now, where she somehow is able to capture a spider web onto a piece of paper. Let me turn that off. My heat, because it's loud. Um, onto a piece of paper, and she puts it in a frame, and it's a, it's a live spider web. Well, it was a live spider web. You know the difference between a spider web and a cobweb? A spider web is alive. It has a spider in it, and it's serving a purpose, and it catches bugs. And as soon as the bug, you know, gets caught in the spider web, and the spider wraps up the bug and eats it or stores it away for later, it creates a new web. That's a spider web. It's alive. Um, when the spider leaves it, and it starts to die, and it starts to collect dust, that's a cobweb. Just a little FYI that I find very interesting. Um, uh, cobwebs, however, they clean the air. So you, you don't want them to be there forever, but when you clean them up and you clean up all that dust, that was dust that would have otherwise been in the air. So I just, I love spiders. Um, so I, be, I, I have these pieces of artwork still, and I'm going to be sharing them, but the thing that I've been really dwelling on in recent days is what is it that I'm doing and why? Why astrology? Why astrology like this? Why this kind of visual astrology? What does it help? What is it good for? Why does someone want it? And I have a lot of answers to those questions because I obviously place a lot of value on this. This is what I've chosen to do with my life. This is what I do with my time. <laughs> I think it's the most beautiful, interesting thing ever but how to communicate that to others, what it has done for me, what it has given for me, given to me. And, <clears throat> and I've gone back to this original, my original contemplation with the, with the web, is that what astrology does 
and and not just the, the visual kind of astrology that I practice by creating the star guides, but any any way that you practice astrology. What it does when you have the moment, and that's from people who just read articles or read horoscopes, all the way to the most devoted, studious, lifelong um, practitioner of astrology, and everything in between. When you when you catch the spark of astrological gnosis, it's a it's what you are perceiving is the web of all of existence, the web of the phenomenal world, which is, you know, laid on top of or within or surrounded by or surrounding. There are many ways to conceptualize it. Toroid, the, the unseen world. That this, this phenomenal world that is how we connect with the unseen world because it is what we are is dynamically interconnected as in a web and when you tune into astrology and you receive that personal gnosis of your part in the story you hear the notes that your life is the instrument sounding you, you hear the, your melody within the song of all that is. And you feel, you feel held. It's, it's literally a felt sense of the divine order of all things. It's a felt sense of God's presence in you around you, as you, inextricably interwoven and connected with and the same as you. Now, just for the brains out there who are like, wait, we're not God. If, if anybody's thinking that right now that's listening to this. It's a mystery, okay? We can agree on that. We're not the Godhead. For sure, we're not the Godhead. I mean, not for sure, probably. But we are clearly interwoven and connected with the divine. Even Jesus said it. The kingdom of heaven is within. That sound is my neighbor upstairs. He's very loud. And very joyous and raucous and wonderful. Um, very fortunate. <laughs> um, and and my explorations in my psychonaut voyages, the revelation that has come through so clearly to me is that it is our separation from the phenomenal world that allows us to bring such harm to the phenomenal world because we don't, we literally do not feel in our bodies that our actions are harming ourselves because we are the earth from dust you came and to dust you will return we are the earth and when we 
harm the earth, which unless we're living off grid out in the woods, we are all doing this. We are all perpetrators of this crime. When we harm the earth, we are harming ourselves. We're literally burning our own house down. And the scary, scary thing is that we don't feel it because we're under this illusion that we're separate from it. And I believe that a primary medicine for healing this is astrology. And there are multiple medicines and astrology is a very very important one because connecting with the phenomenal living skies which are completely interwoven and interconnected with our biological earth and our biological lives and and experiencing ourselves as a part of that greater pattern cause brings back Feeling. It literally like the part of us that was numb becomes alive and starts to feel and is standing there at the gas pump filling up the car and going, oh, ouch, mm. Whew. Maybe, maybe I'll just conserve a little. I'm not going to get off on a, I want to go off on a bunny trail of (laughs) giant corporations uh, contribution to um, the destruction of the planet versus individual contribution to the destruction of the planet. And that's not the point. The point is that the more and more of us, the more and more individuals who can begin to feel what it is that we're doing, then the collective can begin to heal. So it's not, I believe, it's not about your individual actions. That's an intellect decision. It's about being able to feel what's happening. So I'm going to bring this into another level of astrological wisdom that is pouring forth right now, which I'm incredibly excited about. That is also very scary. And that is the United States Pluto return, which a lot of us are becoming aware of, the United States Pluto return. And even if we're not aware of it astrologically, we are aware of this oh shit moment in time that really began in the beginning of 2020. I mean, it began for a lot of people way before that, but for the vast masses of us, the oh shit moment was, you know, March of 2020, February, late February of 2020. Um, this like, oh my God, we're all going to die. And then, you know, it's ebbed and flowed and it's evolved. And we've, a lot of us hoped that it would come back to normal and thought maybe that it would. And but then all of these other events continue to unfold And things just get weirder and weirder and darker and darker and scarier and scarier. And now there are memes everywhere. There are comics in the New York Times and paper and all papers and publications, comics about the apocalypse and the end of the world 
and how we're all not even going to be able to live on the surface of the earth anymore. And I go see my practitioner a couple days ago, my physical therapist, and he's talking about just really experiencing Christmas this year, which is also how I feel for the first time in my life. And he's like, you know, if we're all going to die anyway, (laughs) then let's just eat, drink, and be merry. And there really is this felt sense in the culture right now of like, oh, fuck, are we about to all die? And this is textbook Plutonian. You know, I was listening to one of my favorite astrologers, Adam Summer, last night on a podcast, his recent podcast with Chris Brennan on his astrology podcast. And um, I just love those guys. And he was talking about um, Pluto specifically, you know, like all of these associations we have with Pluto being the lord of the underworld and super scary. And even if we put a positive spin on it, it's very negative and a frightening um, point in the astrological chart, and we have when we have a transit, a personal transit coming up, we're we're apprehensive about it. And the same with you know a collective transit such as the United States Pluto return. There's a lot of fear around this. And he said, but on a more fundamental level, Pluto is about power. And where the power has been mishandled is going to be unearthed and come to light and it's going to then come back into balance and then that you know that i i imagine it like digging up roots to plant a garden like that unearthing that has happened has now created fertile soil for new and healthy and balanced ways of having power and sharing power to then grow from that place. And so this that we are facing right now with our collective situation, whether you're paying attention to the astrology or the news, it's the same message coming through that shit's bad and this is scary and it feels really bleak. And um, there are a lot of ways to put a positive spin on it and the way that I am going to put a positive spin on it right now what has been shown to me is that the 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 organism that is our collective species is is really beginning to feel there's a disease i don't know what it's called but i'm sure all of you are familiar with it because it's wide widely used as a metaphor um there's a disease where you of your nervous system where you cannot feel pain and so you can put your hand on accidentally put your hand on a red hot oven surface red hot oven coil and not be looking at it and not realize that you are burning through your hand because you won't feel the pain and it's a very dangerous disease to have because you don't feel when something's wrong and that has been our collective state And we are in this moment in time where as a collective, we're waking up and we're going, oh, oh, shit. It feels like we're dying. That's because we are. We are literally pouring poison into the earth that we grow our food in. 
like pour poison into the earth, you're pouring poison into your own body. The climate is changing. However you want to look at it, the climate is changing. And we are wreaking vast swaths of destruction all over the planet in countless ways. Whether or not we're contributing to global warming and that argument is a distraction. We are devastating the earth and bad things are happening ecologically at the same time. We, we literally put all of our bees into containers and put them on giant trucks and drive them out to California every year to pollinate the almond trees so we can eat almond butter. And we're all like, why are the, why are the bees sick? I don't understand. Colony collapse disorder is a mystery. It's such a mystery. Because we're all interwoven. Whether or not we can gauge it scientifically, it's happening. And are we going to wait until we have scientific proof that it's our fault to turn it around? Or are we all going to die? And I find that on a collective level that we are beginning to tune into our sickness, that we're really beginning to feel it and feel the fear of it. That means we'll go to the doctor. This is a very good thing. This is so hopeful. Like, this is so hopeful I could cry. I'm so grateful. And this is what my work is about that's been so hard to tie in because my brain doesn't understand, well, how does my passion for ecological work tie into me being an artist, burning resources to create works of art for individual humans as my sustenance? Like, how does that tie in? And I don't know how it ties in until I start talking about it and sharing it because it's been all happening inside my inner landscape. So I'm using these podcasts and I'm doing Instagram lives now where I can get on and just out loud explore the connections of these things and why I'm doing what I'm doing and what it's all about. This ecological consciousness is core and center with my work. My work is not just the color black and white. My work is the color green and blue. My work is all the colors of the rainbow. And this is really my first time exploring out loud in a way that I'm going to share with the world what those connections are and I'm really excited about it and you know the reason that I have to share it is because what's happening to me is I'm losing interest in my work or I'm like what's the point what's the point we're burning the earth up and I'm gonna paint pictures for people like what's the point and I just want to go into the woods and put my hands on the trees and in the dirt and talk to the plants 
and I'm, I am being returned because I had to go so deep into this celestial experience over the past seven years to learn how to create what I create that I had like they told me like the plants told me to I had to leave the forest and now I'm just like I can't handle it here anymore like I have to go back to the forest I have to return like I can't do this anymore and then I think about just giving it up and and I'm like no that no this is what I do like this is really really important And so then what has to give is my ego, my ego that doesn't understand how to share and communicate what my black and white starry works of art have to do with a green and brown shrubby bush. Like what, how do they even go together visually? Like my ego can't figure it out. But I have to figure it out because my heart is just, my heart is demanding it. So I'm here sharing it in language best I can. And this is my starting place. And I'm going to end this podcast for today. And um, God, thank you. If you're listening to this, thank you so much. I'm so incredibly grateful for the connection. I'm so incredibly grateful to be here in this time, in this place, for this incredibly thrilling work that lays before us undone unless we do it. Terrence McKenna says, God, I wish I had the the quote right now. Uh, I'll look it up while I try to remember it. Let's see. Terrence McKenna... Don't be bored. It's coming. It's going to be worth it. Fumble the ball. Do you remember this? Fumble the ball. Okay. Oh, it's so good. He says, I'm going to read the whole quote and then I'll end this podcast. We have gone sick by following a path of untrammeled rationalism. Male dominance, attention to the visible surface of things, practicality, bottom lineism. We have gone very, very sick. <clears throat> and the body politic, like any body, when it feels itself to be sick, it begins to produce antibodies or strategies for overcoming the condition of dis-ease. And the 20th century is an enormous effort at self-healing. Phenomena as diverse as surrealism, body piercing, psychedelic drug use, sexual permissiveness, jazz, experimental dance, rave culture, tattooing. The list is endless. What do all these things have in common? They represent various styles of rejection of linear values. The society is trying to cure itself by an archaic revival, by a reversion to archaic values. 
So when I see people manifesting sexual ambiguity or scarifying themselves or showing a lot of flesh or dancing to syncopated music or getting loaded or violating ordinary canons of sexual behavior, I applaud all of this because it's an impulse to return to what is felt by the body, what is authentic, what is archaic. And when you tease apart these archaic impulses, at the very center of all these impulses is the desire to return to a world of magical empowerment, of feeling. And at the center of that impulse is the shaman, stoned, intoxicated on plants, speaking with the spirit helpers, dancing in the moonlight and vivifying and evoking a world of conscious, living mystery. That's what the world is. The world is not an unsolved problem for scientists or sociologists. The world is a living mystery. Our birth, our death, our being in the moment, these are mysteries. These are doorways opening on to unimaginable vistas of self-exploration, empowerment, and hope for the human enterprise. And our culture has killed that, taken it away from us, made us consumers of shoddy products and shoddier ideals. We have to get away from that. And the way to get away from it is by a return to the authentic experience of the body. And that means sexually empowering ourselves. And it means getting loaded, exploring the mind as a tool for personal and social transformation. The hour is late. The clock is ticking. We will be judged very harshly if we fumble the ball. We are the inheritors of millions and millions of years of successfully lived lives and successful adaptations to changing conditions in the natural world. Now the challenge passes to us, the living, that the yet to be born may have a place to put their feet and a sky to walk under. And that's what the psychedelic experience is about is caring for, empowering, and building a future that honors the past, honors the planet, and honors the power of the human imagination. There is nothing as powerful, as capable of transforming itself and the planet, as the human imagination. Let's not sell it straight Let's not whore ourselves to nitwit ideologies. Let's not give our control over to the least among us. Rather, you know, claim your place in the sun and go forward into the light. The tools are there. The path is known. You simply have to turn your back on a culture that has gone sterile and dead. And get with the program of a living world and a re-empowerment of the imagination. Thank you very, very much. Terrence McKenna, he, he was speaking to us then, and he is speaking to us now. And he is still with us. Thank you very, very much to listening, for listening. Until next time.
Bye-bye.